Welcome to episode four of the Portrait Personas podcast. Emily, how's it going? Going great. And today actually is the year anniversary of the first time I posted a twinning pick. So this is a good night to record. That's fantastic. So we're we're doing the year anniversary. The podcast is at episode four. This post has a lot going on. Not only is the subject of this post important, but the style that you're recreating is important. Without talking around it, what did you do for your fourth post? So this is a portrait of Marilyn Monroe by Andy Warhol made in 1962, and it is pop art. And even though Andy Warhol is kind of known as like the unofficial founder of pop art, it actually started about a decade earlier in London, but he's kind of the one who made it popular in the U.S., so we're going to see a lot of garish colors. We're going to see some well-known faces, well-known logos. Those are kind of some hallmarks of pop art. And I think this is a good follow-up for the Lucille Ball post, is as much as people think about the color of Lucy's hair, they think about the color of Marilyn Monroe's hair. I think that the wig in particular that you have for this is more evocative of the Warhol style. Absolutely. And so this was the first one. So we see in the portrait, she has bright yellow hair and there's a bright kind of aqua teal background. So those two colors are very important. And this was the first one I purchased a wig for because I knew the yellow hair was just super important to the overall effect. And so I found a $7 wig because I didn't want to go too crazy with buying extras. And so I invested in a $7 yellow wig for this look. And otherwise I had everything else that I needed to recreate it. It's, it's pretty simple. Well, actually that's not true. In terms of wardrobe, the wig was the only thing I had to acquire and I knew I had to. So before we dive into uh, the wardrobe or lack of wardrobe, what was the backdrop? This is another sweater? This was another sweater. I am a fan of the open cardigan lightweight cover-up look. So I have a little box of them and luckily I had one of this color. So I just taped it up with some painter's tape on my wall behind me and that was just the backdrop. It seems like you needed to use the makeup to recreate the Warhol style for this one. So the two challenges were styling the wig and getting the pink face. Now in the original painting, she has kind of a pastel pink face. It's funny to talk about this now when this very week I painted myself purple for another look, but um, early on in the process, I wasn't going to get, you know, body paint or anything like that. So I thought I could just recreate it with some hardcore blush in several layers. So I got some blush, some new blush, some like liquid stick blush. You know, it's funny. I kind of just look like I have a light, like rosy hue, but in reality, my face did look much more pink because I put several layers of liquid blush, almost like I would put makeup foundation, just like several, several layers of like liquid blush, then powder blush. And I thought I was like, this is it. I look super pink. And then in the photo, it just didn't translate as much, but I did spend a long time layering the pink on my face to try and get that pink look that we see in the portrait. This maybe could be a makeup newbie question because I don't usually use any, any of it all makeup, but getting the blue, did, would you have any worry of that going purplish or was that a strong enough blue that you had? I didn't put the blush on my eyelids because I knew I would be using the teal eyeshadow. So I didn't have to worry about color blending for that. And luckily I have the exact shade of eyeshadow I needed for that. I mostly just concentrated making my face pink on like my nose, my cheeks, my chin, and my forehead like you normally would with foundation. 
and I had the red lipstick. I had everything I needed and it did look very good. And this is kind of a time when I wish I had taken more B-roll to see if like I had taken any pictures in other lighting. So it might've looked more pink in the fluorescent lighting of my bathroom, but we don't have that anymore. So it'll just live in my memory. But the other challenge I had was the wig. So the wig I could find that was the price range I wanted to spend was the very long yellow wig. And she has, you know, the bombshell short kind of like pixie-ish cut. So I knew I had to just kind of pin it back in a way that made it look like it wasn't obviously going to look like a perfect version of that, but I had to pin the hair back and kind of curl the front a little to give it the shape of a short haircut. So that was my next challenge apart from the pink face (laughs) and that's kind of the funny thing because you did such a good job of kind of tying it back that we do have a behind the scenes photo of what the wig looks like you have a great follow-up picture that actually i think shows how lighting and the backdrop can change something because it almost looks reddish in your follow-up photo and even even right now like behind the scenes uh you did wear the wig for this interview you caught me off guard i'm wearing it (laughs) i have it on it's inspiring us I think that's absolutely right. And in the follow-up picture, so this was also a time I had posted the B-roll for Lucy because I was very proud of my hairstyling and that's why I posted it. But then later on, like a year later, I posted just out of interest, but I only posted this B-roll picture because I had this purple dress on and purple and yellow are complementary colors, which means they will kind of like amplify each other. So this is probably closer to what the yellow looks like in real life for the wig. Whereas you'll notice with like the green backdrop, it looks kind of closer to a greenish yellow. So you do notice how the color changes and that's just like color theory. It's just a weird optics thing. But I did wanted to show that the wig was actually long in real life. So I posted that picture. Plus, I just thought it looked so beautiful next to the purple dress just out of interest. So that was my only B-roll for this one. And this was obviously after I had taken the pink off my face, even though it's funny looking back. There's really hardly any difference between the two. How did you do the, the beauty mark? That was just eyeliner. I just used some eyeliner and made a little dot on my face. And I think that might've been something I was getting ready to take pictures if I remember correctly. And then I, you know, I always, I take a picture and look back to the original and I realized probably a few tries in that I hadn't done the beauty mark. I think I ran back to the bathroom and just grabbed some eyeliner and added it in quickly. Impromptu. Yes. (laughs) You mentioned last week that the reason you did this post was that your roommate Sam had asked, I believe it was just for Marilyn Monroe. What drew you to this Warhol picture? So she suggested Warhol Marilyn in general. Oh, so this exact picture. Not necessarily this exact one. Andy Warhol, he's well known for like his Campbell soup can art and for his images of kind of like it girls or Hollywood starlets. And Marilyn Monroe is probably the more famous of that series of women he did. And so within this, he did 13 paintings of her. It's based on a publicity photo from her movie Niagara from 1953. And so he had 13 paintings, but then he did screen prints also based off the original photo. And they're probably 50 plus of those. So there are like several versions of Marilyn that he has created. 
I can't remember which version Sam sent me, but I chose this particular version because it is also shout out to local museums hanging in the National Gallery of Art in Washington, DC. Obviously the museum's still not open and it's not typically on view to my knowledge, but it is something in a local collection. So that's the reason I was drawn to this particular version. Plus I loved the color palette. Yellow is my favorite color. So I'm always <laughs> here for things where yellow is standing out. It's cool to see that people could potentially, once things reopen, go see this. As for Warhol, do you want to talk a little bit about Warhol's style, some of the stuff you know about that? He did all sorts of media. He did painting, photography. He mostly is known for his prints. And I encourage everyone to look up a video of screen printing because it's one of those things that might not translate just verbally. So for this process, he had a photo, which is kind of like the, the positive space, and then he painted the base, the areas of color. So he would have painted those areas of pink, those areas of yellow, and those areas of teal. And then he would have ran black screen printing ink with the photo over it to kind of make sure certain areas were covered. And so the black would only kind of go where it needed to go to kind of transfer that area of the original photo for the detail. So it's a combination of painting the base and then adding ink through a screen. And I guess the photo would kind of act like a stencil in a way to cover up the spaces. It would cover the areas of green and yellow and pink that he had already painted. So if we look at this painting, we see her eyebrows are black, kind of right under her chin is black. So it would kind of, the black would go where it would need to go for the detail areas. So this is what he did for his multiple prints but like i said he also worked in other media but he is most well known for these kind of series of prints that he did that's so interesting because looking at this i would have thought that he had painted on like a black canvas like it was the other way around he had started with the black so the black is overlaid on top exactly the black is kind of adding in that detail this version is called green maryland and it's from 1962 and by coincidence it's very tragic, you know, he just by coincidence decided to start making images of her the year that she died. And I think this actually, these first ones were even within months of when she died, but then he just kept making them and he was just very interested in her and her story. And he was interested in commercialism and the idea of making something over and over again, kind of like mass production, which was happening in higher rates at the time just appealed to him. It was kind of just like a social commentary. And he had this really beautifully sad quote. He said, the more you look at the same exact thing, the more the meaning goes away and the better and emptier you feel. So that was one of his kind of quotes on making series of the same thing. So he explored Marilyn Monroe through several works of art, mostly in the 1960s. That was kind of the heyday of his starlit images. He also made some of Jackie O, many other notable women of the time, but Marilyn's the most well-known and it just kind of immortalized her. And he liked to preserve the women in moments of like perfect beauty. So she doesn't have any like lines on her face or any imperfections. And so he was very cognizant of how he portrayed them, even though it was starting from a photo. Did he take the photo? Do you know that? No, I think it was a publicity photo from just like an official set photo from like 10 years earlier. 
on the film Niagara. So, and he wanted to use a photo that wasn't really an instantly recognizable photo of her, like not one of her like cover shots of her looking super sexy on a magazine or something, just kind of like a casual moment, like a photo of her that people hadn't really seen before. This is a weird thing. I look at this and I can see her holding a cigarette in one of her hands. <laughs> it does. I think it does have that, like, it doesn't look superposed. It just looks very, she's been captured in a, a moment of time like she's just exhaling or about to laugh like it's hard to say what's going on but it does feel very natural in a way like not i don't know you see some photos of her where she's in fancy gowns and like leaning against something all sultry but this is just her face smiling not really smiling so that's funny so something i learned for this one is that we all have you know different biology with our facial construction. So when I tried to do this kind of like not smile, smile, it just kind of looked like I was just baring my teeth. Yeah, like yeah. exactly for our listeners, we're both baring our teeth right now and it's hilarious. And we both, it's as we're siblings and look very similar. We both look similarly weird. So exactly. It's the same stupid, like I could hear our brother <laughs> making a nerd voice like, eh. yeah, exactly. Hi, Matthew. Yeah. So I learned that because everyone's mouth is shaped differently, our teeth are positioned in different places. I just looked weird. This makes me wonder also, was she saying something and it was caught like mid sentence? I don't know. Or maybe she could based on how her facial structure was. So I had to kind of settle for this like not smiles, smile that seemed more natural and got some teeth visible, but I, I wasn't able to do my mouth that way without looking absurd. <laughs> That was an interesting learning experience with the way we all smile differently. So that was something I noticed. And I, of course, spent way too long trying to get the Marilyn looks. You're evoking the emotion of the picture more so than just trying to do a one-to-one. -one. And that's something I have learned a year later that I'm recreating something, but it, it's still me. And I have to understand the limitations of my own face and my own supplies. So that was a lesson that I've been learning along the way. And I guess that's one of the funny kind of things you said is if you had done this photo now, you would have straight up just painted yourself to better match the color. I would. You know, I, I've gotten over, I was like, I don't need to paint myself pink, but I had fun painting myself purple. Teaser for many episodes from now when I become Ursula the Sea Witch. It was a blast and it washed off very easily. So I think I was afraid I would paint myself pink and then I would be pink for days. Now I know. <laughs> yeah, it worries you'd end up like Tobias from Rust Development. Yes. Just blue. <laughs> I just pinked myself. Like I didn't want to, I just didn't want to have a Tobias moment at all. I was concerned. <laughs> I love the phrase, I just pinked myself. That's amazing. You mentioned that he also did a series on Jackie O. Is there other Warhol art projects? I mean, beyond the, the Campbell Soup thing, are there other things you think people should look into? And also, what other Marilyn Monroe things potentially do you think people could look into? This is also another teaser for the future because yellow wigs have very <laughs> limited uses in the world of art history. So I do do another Warhol down the road. I actually am very interested in his self-portraits. So if you're interested in his art and if you know the images of starlets and women are very super interesting, but I just find self-portraits to be a genre of art that fascinate me. And so I would recommend looking at Andy Warhol's self-portraits if you're interested in finding a place to begin with his work. And for Marilyn, she had 
not a very long life, not a very long career. You know, she was only 36 when she passed away. And there are all sorts of films that she's known for. Seven Year Itch, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. She was a singer, an actress. I think you can't really go wrong. Just look up her name and watch a movie. And I think Seven Year Itch is the film with the famous over the grate where the white dress is blowing up in the wind. So if you want to see like one of her more iconic movies, that might be a place to begin. You know what? I want to try and stump you. I've only managed to stump you once and I kind of like the idea of just cheating. Do you know the town that Warhol's from? I do. He's from Pittsburgh. Bam. All right. It's it's one to three. Emily is still leading with three. <laughs> I think it's nuts that he's from Pittsburgh, mostly known for his time in New York. But yeah, he's a Pittsburgher. I've never been to the museum there, which is wild since we live so close. But I would love to go to the Warhol Museum someday. Pittsburgh is a very cool place to visit. So everyone should go. If you go, go to Permanis, amazing sandwich place. He did spend most of his life in New York. That was a factoid that I thought was like, oh, hey. But I guess if you know anything at all, it's like, no, that's where he's from. You know, in my work, I write a lot of one page about the artist things because children always want to know, and it's never, are they alive? The way, I don't know why. Children always ask, are they dead? So they want to know if the artist is dead and where they're from. So like, that's just something I'm generally tuned into. But now that I've said that, I'm sure you'll ask me something like we're a 15th century artist, grew up in a, I won't know. I'll just have to go back to heights. That's pretty unfair. <laughs> I'll try and find something a little more obscure. I'll admit that for our teaser for next week, I had not seen this picture before. Would you like to give a little teaser for next week's episode? The painting we are looking at next week involves me trying to fabricate a tricorn hat with a shoebox. I cannot wait to hear this story. All right. So thank you so much. Wigs, makeup, Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe. Oh my goodness. That was your fourth episode of the Portrait Personas podcast. Emily, thank you so much. Thank you.